0: Hey all welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, As always, go check out reallifepharmacology.com. Go snag your free 31-page PDF on the top 200 drugs. Uh, I share a lot of uh, clinical pearls uh, with regards to things that are actually seen in clinical practice, as well as things that tend to show up on... Uh, pharmacology board exams, finals, and things of that nature. So, uh, definitely go snag that for free as a, a thank you from me uh, for simply, you know, listening to the the podcast and, of course, uh, sharing it with others who may uh, find it interesting and or uh, beneficial. All right, so I am going to talk about empagliflozin today. Uh, brand name of this medication is Jardiance. Uh, its use has definitely uh, escalated over the the last few years, at least from uh, my perspective and, and what I've seen. Uh, it is used in the management of uh, diabetes primarily, but that is uh, changing a, a little bit as well based upon some some more recent evidence over the last few years. Uh, mechanistically, so we're using this medication for diabetes. How does it lower blood sugar? That's what you really want to ask yourself. And it's categorized as an SGLT2 inhibitor. So what the heck is that, right? So uh, the sodium glucose co-transporter 2 is found in the kidney. And what SGLT2 does is it basically... uh, helps the body reabsorb glucose back into the uh, bloodstream from the kidney and renal tubules and things like that. So by using this medication, we're blocking that reabsorption of glucose back into the body and ultimately lowering blood sugars if it's not being reabsorbed. Now, the other thing to think about with that mechanism is where does that glucose go? Well, it's got to go out uh, through the urine. So that can, you know, lead to some potential adverse effects, which, of course, I'll, I'll talk about a little bit. But, um, yeah, that that lowering of blood sugar out through the urine is how uh, it has its blood glucose-lowering effects. Uh, Dosing-wise, pretty straightforward. Uh, you know, and, and a big advantage of the, the medication is it's once daily dosing, And it's oral, you know, it's not an injection or anything. And, you know, getting patients to take medications two or three times a day uh, can be a challenge for for many of them. So uh, once daily dosing is is definitely nice, Uh, usually for diabetes, 10 milligrams. uh, And then we can bump up to 25 milligrams if tolerated. Uh, And usually we wait about four weeks uh, to decide whether we want to bump that up now i mentioned that you know this medication was obviously developed for diabetes but we found or they found uh, in studying the medication that there's additional benefits so patients uh, at risk or diagnosed with ascvd we potentially have cardiovascular uh, protective effects from this medication so that's a potential benefit heart failure patients can potentially uh, reduce hospitalization in heart failure patients as well. And that's patients uh, with or without diabetes. So that's definitely an interesting finding as well. And then obviously in diabetes patients um, have generally over time or the potential to have that declining uh, renal function and uh, empagliflozin has potentially shown some benefits uh, in that area as well. Okay, so I just mentioned kind of that that renal protective effect potentially. Um, I want to stay focused on renal function because we recall from the mechanism that this works in the kidney, and that's how it lowers blood sugar, Okay. So, as you could imagine, if that kidney is functioning poorly, uh, blocking SGLT2 probably isn't going to have that great of an effect. And indeed, that's what we see with the uh, package insert. So, if uh, EGFR is less than 45, we're probably not going to have a lot of benefit on the blood sugar side of things. With this medication. Uh, however, in the studies on the renal and cardiovascular benefits side, we have uh, potentially seen the benefits still, even in patients with poor uh, function, renal function that way. So, again, if we're looking at it strictly for blood sugar lowering purposes, uh, kind of similar to metformin, um, but I guess different reasoning. Um, but empagliflozin probably won't work that well in bringing down a1c if we're using it uh, in patients with poor renal function again kind of the the cutoff mentioned uh, is less than 45 mils per minute there let's kind of again think about that mechanism of action a little bit and i, I think that helps with uh, side effects as well so when there's an increase of glucose out through the urine, there's, there's a couple of things that can happen with that. Um, we can send fluid off with that. So patients may be at risk for uh, lower blood pressure. Now, that could potentially be a, a beneficial thing, I guess, but um, particularly maybe in our elderly patients, we've got to be a little bit careful about this. If we drop blood pressure too much, uh, they're going to get dizzy and fall. Another aspect of running fluid out or increasing uh, fluid loss out through the urine, uh, dehydration. Again, elderly tend to be more prone for this risk, so that is something that we we need to think about. Uh, Coupled with that water, I I mentioned uh, initially glucose is going to go out through the urine. Now, bacteria like sugar. They like glucose. It helps them uh, grow and prosper, and with that, uh, so do uh, fungus fungal infections. So, genital urinary fungal infections are definitely a risk with the use of this medication. Uh, urinary tract infections um, may be a little bit of a risk there as well. So, those caused by by bacteria. So, uh, as a, a pharmacist, something I look out for as I'm, you know, reviewing medications over time with a patient, uh, if I see an SGLT2 inhibitor, uh, I'm probably going to ask about recent fungal medications, uh, you know, yeast infections, uh, if they've had frequent UTIs. Those are things I'm just going to kind of ask about and see if they've encountered any issues with that lately. Um, And then obviously make sure to, you know, reassess that risk-benefit uh, of the empagliflozin or other SGLT2 inhibitor. Uh, other adverse effects, uh, probably more on the, the rare side of things or associations, uh, ketoacidosis risk, uh, necrotizing fasciitis risk, uh, bone fracture, uh, lower limb amputation, that's more of a, of a controversial one. But these are all things that um, you know, I am prepared to speak to uh, because when patients Google search a medication and they Google search side effects, uh, you know, these are probably going to come up on Google in some way, shape, or form. And you definitely may be asked about these. Again, all those are extremely, extremely rare. Uh, definitely the most common things are, you know, increase in sugar to the urine, so that infection risk potentially, uh, drop in blood pressure, uh, maybe dehydration a little bit there as well. Uh, monitoring parameters, obviously, you know, in diabetes, we're looking at A1C anyway, blood sugar, uh, renal function, I've, I've mentioned already, uh, blood pressure lowering effect, again, mention that. Uh, keeping an eye out for any type of, of antifungals uh, that might be used to treat uh, genitourinary infections. That's definitely something to, to keep tabs on, uh, as well as uh, UTIs, bacterial infections as well. And then, you know, as patients are starting this medication, maybe getting used to it, maybe increasing doses, uh, you can keep tabs on on monitoring for signs of uh, ketoacidosis. You know, your nausea and vomiting, fatigue, shortness of breath, GI pain, that, that type of thing. All right, so let's take a quick break from our sponsor, and we'll wrap up with Drug Interactions. If you're in the market for pharmacist board certification study materials... Like ambulatory care, medication therapy management, pharmacotherapy, geriatrics, NAPLEX, or the psychiatric pharmacist practice exam. Definitely go check out meded101.com slash store. Uh, in addition, if you're a nurse, physician, med student, uh, PA, nurse practitioner, uh, we've got a, a bunch of, of different resources. Um, the... Uh, Clinician's Guide to Common Drug, drug Interactions, that's been a, a popular one amongst a lot of people. Just a great review on some of the more uh, common drug interactions and uh, just some clinical guidance, some things to think about um, when looking at those uh, interactions. So again, that's on Audible. Uh, you can also find that on Amazon. So definitely uh, go check out meded101.com store, uh, all the links to, to everything that we have uh, can be found there. All right, so let's finish up on drug interactions. Now, empagliflozin's is nice in that we don't really deal with many of the CYP enzymes, you know, your 3A4s, 2D6s. That's generally not going to be a, a big issue with this medication. Uh, the most uh, important and common drug interactions are typically with uh, additive effects. So I, th- I think about diuretics. First and foremost, if we're promoting uh, fluid loss with empagliflozin, or that, that can happen, uh, we can increase that risk for dehydration and lower blood pressure and things like that. Uh, blood sugar lowering agents, I think this is common sense. If somebody's on insulin, sulfonylurea, you know, we've got to obviously be aware when we add an SGLT2 inhibitor like empagliflozin, we're going to increase the risk of lowering blood sugar, which is obviously what we're trying to do. Um, but if we lower it too much, uh, we can uh, put that patient into a hypoglycemic episode, which is uh, certainly not good either. And then blood pressure lowering medications. You know, I I, I talked about the hypotensive type effect, uh, we may need to back off on, you know, amlodipine or, you know, a diuretic or ACE inhibitor if that blood pressure drops too low when we add a drug uh, like ambagliflozin. All right, so I think that's going to wrap it up for today. If you enjoyed the podcast, leave a rating, review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. If you want to track me down, you can find me at LinkedIn, Eric Christensen, PharmD, BCGP, BCPS, or mededucation101 at gmail.com is the other way uh, to probably most quickly uh, track me down. Uh, I'm going to sign off for today. Thank you guys so much for listening, supporting the podcast, uh, and our sponsor, meded101.com as well. Take care. Have a good rest of your day. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go.